Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 31, so if you could take your Bibles out with me and turn to Psalm 31. If you don't have a Bible, there are some in the foyer. You can grab one, take it home with you. Psalm 31, starting in verse 1. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel, for I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take refuge, all you who wait for the Lord. Amen. So I'd like to begin this morning with a a bit of Disney trivia. And so I brought a picture today of a character from a Disney movie. Okay, and here is the picture. All right. So, who is this guy? What's his name? This is Simba, okay, from The Lion King. Now, Simba is the crown prince who is one day going to be the king, the king of the jungle. And because The Lion King is a musical, at one point in the movie, Simba sings about his desire to be king in a song appropriately enough called, I Just Can't Wait to Be King. Some of the things that Simba says in his song include, I'm going to be a mighty king, so enemies beware. I'm going to be the main event, like no king was before. I'm brushing up, I'm looking down, I'm working on my roar. 
Oh, I just can't wait to be king. Simba thought that being king would be great. No one would be giving him orders anymore. Instead, he would be the one to give the orders. Everyone would have to do what he said. Yes, life would be great when Simba became king. But things didn't turn out the way that Simba expected on his way to becoming king. Being king and becoming king were a lot harder than Simba thought. Simba could have learned this lesson from King David in Psalm 31, which Pastor Travis just read. David in this psalm learns, and he writes, about being hunted down by enemies and rejected by his own people. David was chosen by God, in fact, to serve as the king of Israel. And yet, serving God as the king was not easy for King David. It was hard, real hard. Some of you may have made the same discovery in your own Christian life about serving God. You thought that becoming a Christian would make your life easier. After all, you are now serving the King of Kings, the one who is so powerful, the one who loves you so much. You thought, when I become a Christian, everything will get easier. But then you realized after a while that serving God did not make your life any easier. In fact, in some ways, it made your life harder. Now you're weary and you're wondering, how long can I keep going and serving God? I love Jesus and what he has done for me, but it's hard to serve him. How do I persevere in my service to Christ? So let's look at some ways that we can keep serving God when life gets difficult. First of all, you keep serving by surrendering to our faithful God. Let's look at some of the difficulties that King David faced in his role as king of Israel. Right away in verse 1 of Psalm 31, we read, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. David in this psalm is stressed out. He prays that God would be his refuge, his safe place. He is being threatened by enemies. Then he asks God that he would never be put to shame. Now, we usually think of a shame as a feeling where you feel ashamed of something that you have done. But in the Bible, being put to shame is an attack of some kind by an enemy that would make you the subject of public disgrace. People look down on you and speak poorly about you, and they put you to shame in that way. King David was being lied about by some wicked people, and as a result, he was put to shame. And so David finishes verse 1 by asking God in his righteousness to deliver him. He is asking God to do justice on his behalf in accordance with God's own righteousness. He wants God to not allow these lies to bring him down. Verse 1 then gives us a good summary of some of the stress that King David is under. We see further indications of his stress in his asking God to rescue him speedily in verse 2. 
We see his prayer also for God to take him out of the net that they have hidden for me in verse 4. And then in, we see David's prayer acknowledging God that, that God has seen his affliction and known the distress of my soul in verse 7. We also see the desperate situation of King David in verses 9 to 13, which speaks of David's distress, his grief, his sorrow, his failing strength, people rejecting and running away from him, his being forgotten, and the vicious scheming of his enemies. After reading this list of troubles, I don't think anyone would be singing the song that Simba sang, I just can't wait to be king. Our song would probably be something like, who would want to be king with a life like this? Or perhaps we might sing, nobody knows the trouble I've seen, if we could hit the low notes on that song. So what was it that helped David then to persevere in his service as the king? God had called him to be king, but being king was really, really hard. What will help us as well to persevere when serving God gets difficult? We find an answer in verse 5. Verse 5 is the first of two verses in this psalm that has the use of the word hand in it. And what does David say he will do in verse 5? Into your hand I commit my spirit. David here is surrendering his entire life into God's hands. Why does David do that? Because he says in verse 5, You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Now notice these words are in the past tense. You have redeemed me. You have delivered me, even though God has not yet delivered David. But David trusts that God will be faithful to him to deliver him from his troubles and from his enemies. David believes that his deliverance is as certain as if it had already happened, even though it is still in the future. And so David surrenders his life into the hands of God as he prays, because David knows that God's hands are the safest place for him to be. He knows that God will take care of him. So what should you do when you are under stress like King David was? What should you do when you lose your job? or have a financial setback, when someone you love dies, or when your spouse files for divorce, or when someone lies about you, what should you do? Pray. And in your prayer, surrender yourself into God's hands and trust that God will do what is good and right for you. It is not just David who prayed the words of Psalm 31 in verse 5. Into your hand I commit my spirit. Do you know who else prayed these words besides King David? Do you know who else prayed this? Jesus did. In fact, these were Jesus' famous last words from the cross. I'd like for us to read out loud together from Luke 23 and verse 46. Let's read those words together. 
Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. You see, Jesus, the King of Kings, was in the exact same situation that King David was in. Jesus was being lied about by wicked people. Jesus was then hunted down and nailed to a cross to die for our sins. Jesus was stripped naked and put to shame in full public view of everyone as they walked by the cross. Jesus was a condemned criminal. And in his very last prayer, what was the prayer that Jesus prayed? It was a prayer of surrender. It was a prayer of trust. Jesus trusted that God would be faithful to him in the words of Psalm 31 and verse 5 if Jesus surrendered himself into the hands of God. Jesus trusted that God alone could be trusted to vindicate him that he was indeed a righteous man. And after Jesus prayed these words, He entered into the hands of God even in his death. He entered into the hands of God that would never let him go. Hands that not even death could shake or overthrow. So let me make it clear to you here today that if you do surrender your life into the hands of God, that does not mean that you will be delivered from suffering or from hardship. David and Jesus both surrendered their lives into the hands of God. But David and Jesus both still suffered in spite of their surrender to God. But I would say this, if you do surrender yourself and your life into God's hands, ultimately you will find your life in the presence of God. God will save you. He will deliver you and bring you to live with him forever in the place of eternal life in heaven. A mother named Tracinda Fox once had to contemplate the unthinkable. She and her baby son lived on a third-floor apartment, and her apartment building had caught on fire. She could feel the heat as she touched the door outside into the hallway, and she knew that the fire was right outside her door. She could smell the smoke, and in fact, she could see that her baby's son was struggling to breathe. And so she went to the window, where she opened up the window, and as she looked down, she could hear a strange man calling out to her to throw her baby down those three flights. He said that he would catch her baby. He promised. Well, Tracinda knew that she didn't have much time to decide. Her son was struggling to breathe. And so she let go of her child. The infant tumbled three stories down into the waiting arms of Felix Vasquez, who performed mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on the baby until the paramedics arrived. Moments later, firefighters rescued Tracinda from her apartment, and they reunited her with her child 
Fortunately, neither was seriously injured. Asked later about her painful decision to drop her baby from the window, Tracinda said, I prayed that someone would catch him and save his life. I said, God, please save my son. And he did. It is never easy for us to surrender that which is most precious to us into the hands of another. But if you surrender yourself and your life into the hands of God, he will save you. He will be faithful. He will not give to you an easy life or a life without suffering. But he will give you eternal life. A life of unending joy with him that begins on this earth and lasts for all eternity. So church, keep serving God. Don't quit. He is faithful. You can surrender your life into his hands. You keep serving by surrendering to our faithful God. And you keep serving as well by trust in God's sovereignty. We can see one such expression of trust in David's prayer in verse 14. There David prayed, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, You are my God. In spite of the stress that David was under, in spite of the attacks of the enemy, what does David call God? He calls him my God. David belongs to God as part of God's covenant family. And remarkably, God belongs to David. God allows himself to be called David's God. David is that close to God that he is part of his family. This God that he trusts in. And so we see in verse 16 that David prays for God to save me in your steadfast love. David knows that God's love for him is never going away. It is unfailing. And so he trusts in God. And ultimately, David trusts that he will not be put to shame in verse 17. No, it is David's enemies that will be put to shame according to that verse. They will be disgraced for attacking the righteous King David. Now, I want you to notice especially what David trusts in verse 15. This verse has the second use of the word hand in this psalm. David writes, My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. What is David saying here? By saying that my times are in your hand, David is saying that his whole life is in God's hands, not in his enemy's hands. Nothing has happened to David by chance. God is the sovereign king of his life. It is God who has brought these circumstances, as painful as they are, into David's life. And it is God who will eventually save David in these circumstances. I think that David then is saying the same thing here that the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8 and verse 28. 
Let's read that verse together out loud. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Yes, bad circumstances will come into every life. But God is still the king. God can and will overrule those circumstances as the sovereign king of the universe. And he will work in those circumstances over the long run for his glory and for your good. David trusted that it's God who is truly the king. And it was God who in his time would do good for him and defeat his enemies. Now, if David trusted in God and his sovereignty, then he did not trust in a few other things that he writes about in Psalm 31. First, David did not trust in idols. He writes in verse 6, I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. Idols are worthless. They are nothing. If you're putting your faith in anything other than God, you're going to be severely disappointed. Idols have no power over your life. They have no power over this world. And so David says, I don't trust in idols. David trusts in God the king. But secondly, David had to learn not to trust his feelings. Look at what he writes in verse 22. I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. So what did David feel in the midst of his stressful situation as the king? He felt like he was cut off from God's sight, that God couldn't see what he was going through. God didn't see him in the struggle that he was in. Have any of you ever felt that way as you've gone through a stressful time in life? Have you ever felt like God clearly doesn't see what I'm going through? And therefore, God is not with me. There are some people who live by this philosophy. Always trust your feelings. But is that a good way to live? No. Why not? Because sometimes your feelings lie to you. They don't tell you the truth. Was David really cut off from God's sight? No. God saw David and the trouble that he was in. And as David remembered what he had read in the Bible, he knew that God always saw him and cared about him. The Bible says that God is a God of steadfast love. God is a God who answers and hears our prayers. God is a God of righteousness and justice. So David had to learn to trust God and not to always trust his feelings. When a pilot flies through clouds or through the fog, where does that pilot put his or her trust? Does she trust in what her eyes tell her? 
as she looks out the window of that airplane? Is that where she puts her trust? Or does she put her trust in what her instruments tell her? She puts her trust in what the instruments say. Pilots who fly into clouds or into fog must follow their instruments, even when those instruments contradict what they clearly perceive which way is up. They must trust their instruments, or else that pilot will inevitably crash and die. When we go through the clouds of adversity, we must not trust our feelings of despair or our feelings that God has left us. We need instead to trust God and what he tells us. Because we are human and not robots, our feelings are very important. We need to know what we are feeling and be able to express our emotions in a healthy way. But we cannot always trust our feelings. We can and we should, however, always trust God. Because David trusted in God. God, in his sovereignty, eventually answered David's prayer. And when God the King answers your prayer, how should you respond? By praying a prayer of thanks. In verse 19, David prays, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. God is good. God is a refuge for those who are threatened. And God will vindicate his children who have been put to shame in front of other people. God will show the wicked that these people, like King David, are truly righteous. They belong to him. So what does David say in response to God's answering his prayer? Thank you. Over and over again, David thanks God for rescuing him. Thank you for covering me, he says in verse 20. Thank you for your steadfast love, he says in verse 21. Thank you for hearing my prayer, he says in verse 22. Thank you for preserving my life and for doing justice to the wicked, he says in verse 23. By saying thank you now, David is preparing himself for the next next stressful season of his life. Because David has seen God answer his prayers, he can say to himself and to other believers in verse 24, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Church, do you remember to thank God when he answers your prayers? Do you remember to do that? Singing thank you now will strengthen your faith so that you will be prepared for the next stressful season of life. As we close this morning, I'd like to ask you to look at the back of your bulletin, to look at the fourth goal that we have listed for our goals of 2020 as a church. We read there that we want to be growing in service by having each person of hope participate in at least one church ministry and one outreach ministry. 
We want everyone who is part of our church to be serving God. We want all of us to serve in some way inside the church and in some way outside the church. We have many ways that you can serve outside the church that we have participated in the past, like in our Fielder's Choice free ice cream giveaway or the 0435 Fun Festival or our trick-or-treat event in October, or as Travis mentioned earlier, we're going to have an event a week from Saturday in which we are going to give out hot chocolate there um, in Manchester. And so we would encourage you to participate in some of these events. As we have seen today, serving God can be hard. It wasn't easy for David, and sometimes it's not easy for us. So let me speak briefly this morning to four different groups of people about serving God. First, many of you are already meeting this goal. You are already serving God in some way here in the church and outside the church. To those of you who are serving already, my words to you are thank you. Thank you for all that you are doing to serve God faithfully. God is using you to bless his people and to honor his name. Second, I would say some of you are afraid to serve. You say, I'm not an extrovert. I don't like being around lots of different people. I don't like it. I can't serve then. So let me tell you, we, we even have ministries for introverts in this church. It's a good thing. Uh, I myself am an introvert. In fact, I'm an extreme introvert, but there's a place for me to serve. And for introverts, there is also a place for you to serve. So please find a place to serve. We will find a place for you. Third, some of you say that you don't have time for serving God with your busy life. If that is what you are saying, my encouragement to you today before you leave is to take a good look at that cross. Take a good look at what Jesus did for you to serve you, how he died for your sins so that you might escape the judgment of God. If Jesus did that for you, don't you think that you could make time to serve him in some way? And fourth, I would say some of you have been burned by serving God in the past. You have been deeply hurt within the church in some way. Can I remind you today of something that is true for all people, even Christian people? Every single person that you meet is a sinner. Every person in this room sins. And so we all sin and we all need the mercy of God. Therefore, we will hurt each other, sometimes deeply. In my ministry here at the church, Sometimes I have hurt you deeply, and sometimes you have hurt me. But what would happen to the church if every time someone got hurt, they simply said, I quit, I'm done? Not much would get done for God's glory. We need then desperately to forgive each other. If you cannot forgive for the sake of the person who hurt you, Forgive for the sake of the Jesus who forgave you. Church, into whose hands have you surrendered yourself? God's hands. 
And so let me remind you today that God's hands are strong. They will never let you go. He not only has your life in his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. So don't quit because life has gotten hard for you. Keep trusting God. Keep serving him. In his time, God will answer your prayer and he will pull you out of your trial. And in his time, he will reward you for your faithful service for him. Let's pray together. God, we thank you today that we can surrender our lives into your hands. We can surrender our lives because you are a faithful God, a strong God, the king of the universe. And so I pray for your people here today, for those who are discouraged in their lives, for those who have perhaps been hurt. I pray that they might be able to trust in you, knowing that you will take care of their needs, knowing that you will vindicate them and that you will deliver them from their trials. Thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.